This is episode one of the GDC podcast. Hey guys. So we're going to wait. <laughs> I like your, uh, your radio voice. <laughs> Sometimes it just comes out. Ruining all the mystery podcast. of the podcast production. <laughs> but right you now. can you can hear him you can hear him giggling um, in the background. Um, so yeah, this is the GDC podcast. So maybe for a couple minutes we should like talk about GDC and let's just talk about this podcast. Like this is the first one. I mean, GDC is what Alyssa is it like hundredth anniversary? This oh yeah, year? at least. Okay, yeah. So the GDC podcast. I mean, I think that we kind of were like, hey we want to do a podcast. It's what, uh, we want to get into radio. Well, there's a lot of interesting developments in GDC this month. There's a lot of interesting GDC adjacent people that, uh, you wouldn't otherwise get to talk to unless you tune into a stream or read one of GDC's many blog posts. So yeah. this gives you a more portable medium to do that. Oh my gosh. That was really good. Yeah. Off the cuff yeah, too. That was, that was way better than, <laughs> than my explanation. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Game developers conference, uh, even though it only, you know, comes around once a year. It's something that, you know, believe it or not, people are working on it all the time, all year round. People's entire careers are based on this one week. Is that, uh, isn't that absolutely mind-boggling? It sure is. Yeah, it is mind-boggling. <laughs> what are we doing with our lives? Um, so, yeah, but it's practically here, right? It's March 16th to the 21st, so mark that down, 2020. Uh, clear your calendars for GDC 2020. I don't even like saying 2020, like the year. It doesn't roll off the tongue at all, but... It, it, yeah, and it just feels like so past the year 2000. I'm looking forward. 2021 is exciting. That just sounds like... Yeah. 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 And it's sequential, too. <laughs> it, yeah. I mean, once you get to 2020, I feel like you um, can start saying, legitimately saying 2000 was the turn of the century. <laughs> Like, I was wearing Jinko jeans at the turn of the century. Um, that type of thing. I don't want to talk about what I was doing <laughs> because I was eight years old. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, jeez. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll let you all uh, try to figure out if I was joking about wearing Jinko jeans. Real quick, some GDC stuff that's actually going on. Things are starting to ramp up, right? Um, you've got IGF submissions are open now for the 2020 IGF, right? So you should submit to that. Um, I think you can find uh, where to do that with a quick Google. Yeah, uh, accepted now through September 30th, 2019. Oh my gosh, you are like ready. I got the links, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, and this is like the, the yeah, this is the first time we're doing this too. Okay, only downhill from here. So <laughs> ramping up, uh, we're also gonna be uh, XRDC. Um, it's like a sibling event, it's for 
VR, not just VR games, but uh, but other stuff that uh, you do with visual computing. That is happening in October. Um, so yeah, why don't you come to that? <laughs> October 14th through uh, October 16th, looks like. Oh, that's good. Just here with the notes, I'm here to cover. No, this is this is working out great for me. <laughs> I don't have to hardly prepare. Oh, we also opened up. Uh, this is important. So um, we're opening up our call for papers for. Uh, actually, we already opened it up for our core concepts line of GDC talks. And don't be afraid of core concepts. That's just another word. We've uh, we've renamed. Uh, the discipline-based tracks for GDC. So if you have ideas for our advocacy track, audio, business and marketing, design, production and team management, programming, and visual arts, if you have ideas for talks and you want to share all that knowledge at GDC 2020, um, yeah, you should definitely submit. We implore you to. Yeah. <laughs> You can find all this information on gdconf.com. That's kind of weird, isn't it? Is it gdconf.com or gdconf? Yeah, so gdconf.com. Um, and there's all kinds of news just spilling out of the official Twitter account at official underscore GDC. You know what else is new? That's it's not a rhetorical question. <laughs> Your audio cut out for me there, so I'm not sure what the rhetorical question is. I don't know. Was. I don't know what happened. Um, yeah, there's uh, there's there was an, uh, another new announcement, and it was advisory board members. So these GDC advisory board members, these are people who help us basically shape the content or the uh, hashtag content of the show, if you will. Um, and that kind of brings us to our. Our guests, our, our super secret guests. This person is a full sale Hall of Fame inductee. He worked at Megatouch, producer id software, might have heard of him. Epic Games, might have heard of it. Um, he also <laughs> currently runs his production consultancy. It's called Shonk Ventures. That's the first big clue Shonk Ventures. Um, his person is a longtime friend of GDC. Uh, he's been a, a, a CA, he's been a speaker, now he's on the advisory board. Um, he's also the co-author of books uh, called uh, Gear Up, Advanced Game Development Practices, and another one called Creative Agility Tools. I don't know how this person is bending the space-time continuum to do all this stuff. Not only that, I'm really building this up a lot, so this is going to be huge. This is going to be huge. Um, worked on, uh, credits include Rage. Paragon, Battle Breakers, Doom, Wolfenstein, and about 60 other games, including a little uh, little app called Fortnite. Um, got a credit on that. Um, and so here we go. Let's welcome Grant Shonkweiler. Wow, that is uh, that was that was overwhelming. <laughs> Did we miss anything? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I was I was born at some point. I mean, that's just. Uh, Chris, so oh, thank yeah. you for the great introduction. That was that was a lot about me. Yeah, yeah, um, no problem. This required so much internet stalking on <laughs> Alyssa and I's part. I mean, we started kind of feeling gross about it. Yeah. So, tell us a little bit about your background. You are a producer, and your consultancy is Shank Ventures. And tell me what mm -hmm. you do. 
Yeah, so I've been uh, I've been making games for a long time. I started actually making games uh, when Pokemon Red came out. Uh, my buddy and I swapped games back and forth uh, back then, and and I taught Pikachu Cut, which was apparently the wrong thing to do. We got in a big fight. We were punching each other. It was great. And uh, I said, you know what? I think we can make uh, a better Pokemon game. And uh, so we designed our own game called Pokemon Killer, aptly enough, uh, submitted the game to, to Sony, actually sent paper designs to Sony um, and said, this is, this is going to kill Pokemon. You're going to be bigger than Nintendo. Um, they actually wrote back and said, uh, we don't want to get sued, but keep on designing games. That's cool. And, uh, and that was it. From, from there on out, I've, I've been making games. Uh, I started modding games and, and just uh, designing and doing goofy little things. Um, and then I went to uh, Full Sail University to learn to be a computer programmer. Uh, and then I uh, started in the industry at Megatouch Games, as you mentioned, where I was a programmer and then quickly realized all the other programmers were much better than me and I was not progressing at the rate that I wanted to be. So I uh, told the creative director I would help him out with design. And next thing I knew, I was a designer and then I was a lead designer. Uh, and then I was like kind of running all the, the game stuff at that company. Yeah. Um, so that if was crazy. If you don't mind me, um, if you don't mind me interrupting real quick, no, we need to pump the brakes a little bit, a little bit and go back to Pokemon killer. Okay. And, uh, Sony actually must've looked at the design document. If they replied to you then said, we don't want your game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, but, which is of course crazy to think about. Um, I don't know if it was just like uh, an intern or someone who who opened up this file and was like, "Just reply." It's like a kid, you know, make them feel good about their day. But but I, you know, I really appreciate that, and I've, I've had the opportunity to talk to many people who were at Sony back then and, and say, you know, I want my document back. Um, <laughs> so so sentimental so, value. Yeah, so far no one has found it. Um, which is probably good because one, it's terrible, and two, my handwriting uh, has not improved and was really bad back then. It's just got to be like framed up in someone's office somewhere. <laughs> this letter that was sent in once. Yeah, the the one thing I remember was that I used red ink. I don't know why I remember that, but I used red ink because killing because yeah. of the killing part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was a very violent game. <laughs> Do you think that like Ken Kutaragi has that hanging like in his family room? I, I like to I like to imagine that he. <laughs> I would I would think that he does. Um, so you know you um, you're you're a producer guy and yeah. you've done talks at GDC and PAX and other places. Um, and your uh, your background when I'm listening to you talk, you know, obviously you're well versed in like the methodologies of product mm -hmm. development and all that. But you you talk about the fundamental stuff, like the foundational things. Can you tell us like the most important parts of, of being a producer? Yeah, so uh, the most important thing that I always tell, you know, when I, when I start working with a junior producer is first off your communication skills, right? You have to be able to communicate with people um, at, their at their level and their language. So um, I recommend all of my junior producers um, learn a little bit about coding, learn a little bit about design and art and stuff. I'm not asking them to become those things, but at least be able to speak the language. Um, I often tell them to do the thing that I do, which is like, I'm, I'm not a senior artist. Can you speak to me like I'm five and explain to me what mitmaps are or whatever it might be? Um, because you want to start to 
progress to the point where you aren't interrupting meetings because you just understand things. So communication is the first one. Um, the second one, is, second one is just understanding that that people are people, um, and that and that is ultimately our job. Our job is uh, is people first. Um, so so focusing on people and making sure that they they have what they need. Another thing I always tell people it, when they become producers or junior producers is uh, congratulations. You're now the lowest of the low. You know people think producers. Are, are you know high up at companies because we're the people doing a lot of interviews and stuff but that's actually because the important people can't stop working to come do the interviews <laughs> so um Welcome so aboard. our job yeah, yeah yeah so i always say our job is anything from uh from getting coffee uh to you know making big decisions uh and and we do that for everybody even if they're considered more junior than us on the org chart so um, I tell people in a lot of ways, you're, you're, you're a servant, you're uh, a butler, <laughs> and you're also a little bit of a camp counselor because people will come to you and complain. So those are, those are like the core basics. I can, if people understand that, then I can teach them um, how to be at least a decent leader based off that. And I can teach them, you know, all the processes of game development. And those are things that you just learn as you make games. But but the core stuff, if, you, if you're not a good communicator and you don't understand people at a basic level, um, then you're really going to struggle to be a producer. It seems like humility and empathy are uh, some core parts of being like a yeah. leader as far as a producer goes. Yeah, which is interesting because then you like talk me up and then that makes me feel really narcissistic. And so I have to like bring in the humbleness now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, great work. Hey, you still suck. <laughs> yeah. So um, you you did something like uh, a, a while ago. I talked to you a little bit about it at, at GDC. Um, and you left the game industry for a little bit. Am I getting that yeah. right? Yeah. 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 What did you do? Yeah, so uh, I left Epic uh, and took a about a six month sabbatical, um, and and I wanted to I won't I won't say I wanted to understand myself or anything like that, but but I weirdly have had a job since uh, I was very young uh, illegally at eight years old, and then I went to college and then started making games, and I realized I was I was starting to feel a little bit of burnout, and uh, I was talking to different mentors that I have about burnout and realized that that was coming. Uh, and so I wanted to figure out if I could be happy doing something other than making games. Um, and so what I decided to do was uh, just travel around the world and do odd jobs. Um, and that got to the point where I was, you know, staying with friends and building them a new restroom uh, to, uh, you know, working on construction sites in Indiana to uh, going to, to New Zealand and hiking for a few weeks and then Ultimately, I ended up uh, on an island called Lord Howe Island off the coast of Australia that my friends own and was working on a farm uh, for a while. So that was uh, probably the culmination of it. Oh, the, the friends on the farm, not the island. That, that sounds way crazier. Uh, so, so yeah, so I, I worked on a farm um, and then I came back and uh, Clint asked me if I wanted to write a book with him. And that's uh, when I decided to come back into the industry. And you're talking about Clinton Keith? Yes, Clinton Keith. Yeah, yeah. world-renowned uh, production guru. Yeah, that was quite the uh, shocking call when he was like, hey, you want to help me with this book? And I was like, I've looked up to you since before I started in the industry. So uh, talk about a humbling moment. <laughs> yeah. That was one of them. If not for that moment, do you think you would have come back eventually or would you still be on a farm on an island somewhere? 
Yeah, so interesting thing about that was I was on that farm, but I had already bought tickets to the next GDC. Yeah. <laughs> so, nice. so I wasn't, I wasn't like, uh, I'd already like volunteered to, to be a CA and uh, a conference associate, and I had bought my flights and hotel rooms and everything. And I was like, I'm going to come back and I'm going to be this really weird person at GDC who's like, I work on a farm. Um, but what happened was I started working on this book and then I was at GDC and a friend of mine asked me to uh, review some stuff that their company was doing. Um, and then they paid me in an Amazon gift card. And I was like, wait, people get paid to like give other people advice. And they were like, he was like, yeah, in fact, we'd like to hire you to give you a tip for you to like review stuff and give us advice. And that's when I started my company was actually at GDC. I think a lot of people are like that, right? Um, yeah. I have some information, um, and you know, you're you're obviously an enthusiastic guy, uh, sharing all of this stuff that you've learned over you know the many years that you've been in game mm -hmm. dev now. Um, do you, like people are just kind of like, oh, I can get I can get paid for this, like, <laughs> yeah. for my for my time and my all of, like these ten years that I've been like I can actually have yeah. like a living off of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been doing it for free for so long that when somebody was like, I'll pay you, I'm like, is that fair? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, your hands are calloused, and uh, you your brain has been you know just through all of this stuff. Hey, so right. like. Going, going off and doing that and kind of getting away and, you know what, uh, finding yourself, sure. Uh, yeah. what, did, what do you feel like you, uh, you came away with from all that? Like, what did you learn? Uh, I learned a few things. So the first one was it allowed me to be creative in ways that I um, have never been before. So uh, I used to write a lot when I was younger and I wanted to take some time off. So I actually wrote a couple screenplays that I expect will never be made because I've never done anything with them. Um, but I, but I wrote a couple screenplays just to kind of, you know, kind of, uh, explore creativity in a different way. Um, I also learned that, you know, stress is really fairly easy to defeat when you realize that most things that we're stressed about are not important in the grand scheme of things. Um, this is a little philosophical, but when you're hiking in the middle of New Zealand and you're the only person uh, for like 50 miles around and you're sitting on top of a mountain, you realize how infinitesimally small you are in the uh, grand scheme of the cosmos. And so when you think about that and then you think about like, oh man, our game is broken in X way, you're like, that doesn't really matter. Uh, and so <laughs> We're all going to be dead of, anyway. Yeah. yeah. And it, so <laughs> it, it, it can, you can either go the very nihilistic route or you can go kind of mm -hmm. the, the positive route, which I do, which is like, hey, this isn't like as soul crushing as possible. Let's just calm down, relax, and we'll get through it. Um, and, and because of that, I feel like I'm, I'm even more kind of chilled out when it comes to um, the hardcore process of, of making games. Uh, so that was definitely a big thing that I learned, as well as just learning a lot about, about myself and you know ways that I function well as far as sleeping, eating, things like that. Because I wasn't in a tight bubble of have to wake up at this time and do this and that and that. So, yeah. I I wasn't expecting the first GDC podcast to go full galaxy brain, <laughs> but I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, all right. We, uh, we talked about philosophical stuff, uh, maybe, which it was just great. I love it. And I think it, it, it is important. You know, that's the foundational foundational stuff uh, yeah. working in a, in a job like game development. 
Um, so now I'm wondering uh, why you wear uh, rugby shirts all the time. That's <laughs> let's get the nuts and bolts of production here. I so, promise I'll segue into the production stuff. Yeah. So what's interesting is this is another GDC story. So. When I first started going to GDC in 2008, um, there used to be a charity poker tournament um, that was open to anyone, um, and I wanted to go. And I was I was a student, and I was like, you know, I, I don't really have any nice clothes. The only thing I have that has a collar is a rugby jersey. Um, and so I wore a rugby jersey, and, and weirdly, I guess not weirdly, most of the people who were at this um, this this poker tournament where people who had been in the industry for a while had disposable income, wanted to schmooze with each other and, and give to charity. And so here I am, this, this young guy in my rugby jersey playing uh, playing poker with people and, and beating them quite soundly because I, I used to be very good at poker. Um, and, uh, and I distinctly remember meeting uh, Kenny Young at the time, another GDC advisory board member, and him being like, you're American. Why are you wearing a rugby jersey? And I was like, well I, well, I play rugby. And he was like, oh, that's interesting. So fast forward to the next day and I'm walking around GDC and Kenny comes over and he's like, hey, you're the rugby jersey guy. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then somebody else came over and was like, hey, you're the rugby jersey guy. And that's when I was like, well, I guess I'm the rugby jersey guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's my brand. So ever since then, uh, whenever I travel to a new country, I try and get uh, a, a national rugby jersey or a team rugby jersey from that area. And uh, that is pretty much my exclusive wear when I'm doing professional things. I'm even wearing one right now. Um, and other than maybe wearing a GDCCA shirt, most people expect to see me in a rugby jersey. Those are the only two like shirts that I've seen you wear. <laughs> yeah, I, I went to visit friends who I had met through GDC once and I was not wearing a rugby jersey and they walked right past me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, hey, I'm over here. And they're like, oh, what are you wearing? And I was like, this is a t-shirt. Completely unrecognizable. <laughs> There's like an Archer episode where he opens his closet and it's all these like black and like off black turtlenecks. Yeah. And like, that's what I'm imagining. It's just a closet wall to wall rugby jerseys. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Kind of- Kind of like Steve Jobs and the uh, exactly uh, turtle great little yeah. networking pro tip. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so um, speaking of rugby, scrum. Uh, mm. I mean, what came first, the uh, the rugby jerseys or uh, the product development methodology, <laughs> interest in scrum? Um, that's that's interesting. So I've had rugby jerseys since high school, so that one would have come first. Um, and then I remember studying scrum for the first time in uh in college and interestingly there was like this whole video that they showed and it was a rugby player talking about scrum and (laughs) agile development and i was the only person in the room who knew what he was actually talking about because i was like oh i played rugby and uh so yeah then i was like well you know this takes one of my loves which is rugby and another one which is uh video games and this is like a methodology and i was like i guess i'm gonna try and learn and become like a master of this so that I can use it everywhere. And, you know, then I have a reason to wear rugby jerseys, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Now I know why you do what you do. Uh, So for, for our listeners, um, or maybe even listener, I don't know. Um, this is a brand new podcast. I don't know. Um, uh, can you, can you describe like scrum in rugby and scrum in product and, you know, game development? 
Sure. Um, so scrum in rugby is used to restart play. So uh, just like in basketball when they throw the ball in or, uh, you know, soccer, they throw the ball in. Or if there's a penalty, they kick it. Uh, in scrum, in rugby, there are a certain type of infraction that need to be restarted through a scrum. Um, I won't explain what all those are, but basically what happens is you have eight players from each team and they bind together very closely and act as, as a single engine, a single unit, and they slam their bodies into each other in the most violent way possible. <laughs> and the ball gets inserted into the middle and they kind of push back and forth for the ball. Um, it's it's really interesting that they picked that term for for agile development for development practices because oh, I thought really... you were describing agile game development. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was the really rugby close. part. <laughs> really close, but and I think it's because ultimately you're taking eight people of very different body shapes and sizes and turning them into one cohesive unit that can generate power beyond like really beyond a normal person can imagine. Um, and so that's kind of the idea of Scrum. And I'll kind of I'll kind of just describe agile development, which Scrum is one of the many terms uh, and types of that. Um, in agile development, um, it, it's about being iterative as opposed to waterfall development, which is like, um, you know, we want to make a game. We wrote a design doc, and then the artist did this thing, and then they handed the design and the art to the programmers, and the programmers made it, and the game came out. It's more like uh, we have a set of features. And we design the basics of those features and then the artists maybe do a little bit of their work. And while they're doing that, we're prototyping it and we're iterating it in a tight loop of maybe two to three weeks. And in that, you're kind of uh, going in circles. I'm making circles with my hands here. Um, you're going in circles. I can, I can sense it. Yeah. <laughs> you're going in circles where you're like, you know, create, test, uh, reevaluate, and then you kind of go through that over and over again. And what, what it... What the value of it is, is that you can very quickly move through things and things can be more flexible. Um, the, the negative of it that a lot of people have is if you don't monitor it closely, which is where Scrum comes in, um, then it just comes to like major feature and scope creep where people are like, we're agile, we can do whatever we want. And then they throw in a new feature in the middle of a sprint. Um, Scrum is a set of rules and practices that uh, go around that, which I won't get into all of them, that help you kind of prioritize and figure things out in a proper way to make sure that you're not overscoping within that process. Give, give us the one, what, what's the best scrum rule? <laughs> um, your favorite one? My, actually my favorite, my favorite rule in practice is, is actually the, the, the daily standup. So I like, I like having a time to, to get everybody together to talk about things. Um, that's probably the one that I, adhere to the most, uh, even though everybody does what we call butt scrum. It's scrum, but I do this. It's scrum, but I do that. Um, but the one that tends to be done by everybody is that one right there, where people are getting together once a day and saying what they're working on, where it's at in the process, uh, and what they're going to work on that day. Alyssa, do you have anything to say about butt scrum? Uh, well, no, actually, I do. <laughs> it's really interesting. I do. I knew nothing about uh, rugby scrum or game development scrum prior to that explanation. And hearing just that that brief description of it has helped like contextualize some of the things I know about other studio structures and from talking to other game developers and stuff like that. So it's all kind of coming into focus with the understanding of scrum. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> and it's fun to say scrum. Scrum. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so when you're working at Shank Ventures and you're talking to clients and they're saying, 
please deliver us from the mistakes that we made. <laughs> um, what what are the most common production mistakes that you see with your clients? Yeah, that's wow. That's a great question. Um, so the first the first common mistake that I see from people is this over strict adherence to rules that they've created in their own brain. And what what I mean by that is like. Um, we have to be by the letter with Scrum or Agile, and we have to make sure that you know we're doing this. And it tends to be at the detriment to the team. And uh, if we go back to what I said, your core tenets of being a producer are, which is about communicating and being kind of you know just this facilitator and uh, person who's focused on people. Scrum and Agile tend to cause a lot of problems when they first come in and people get angry and frustrated. And so what I say is, uh, you know, um, I actually talk, I talk about it in the book, but um, we call it beachheading a new practice where you take a small group of people and you have them learn that practice and then they can kind of change it based on your studio culture. And then they are your champions bringing it out to the rest of the team. Um, so that's one of the, the main things that I, I tend to see is that people are like, we decided to, to become agile and they're like, here's our super strict rule set and they bring it in and everything breaks and they're mm -hmm. like, ah, and everybody's like heads on fire. Uh, so I'm always like, don't worry, we're going to fix it. We just got to kind of iterate through with the team. So, uh, the main thing that I usually you know, like help my clients focus on is making sure that the team understands why changes are being made making sure that the team understand the goals of that and then understand, you know, what the team actually wants out of these changes. So it's a lot of um, outsider kind of perspective and bias where I'll talk to the teams and I'll talk to the producers and the leaders and um, they may kind of be saying the same thing to each other, but not really hearing it. And then I present it and now everybody thinks that I'm a genius. So <laughs> nice. I, I, tend to, I, I tend to apologize a lot to to especially the producers, because a lot of times what I've found is that the producers know the right thing to do. Um, they're just stuck on one or two things. And also there's that, um, you know, that, that relationship baggage that might be in there. Even if they have a lot of trust from their team, um, there's still a, Ugh, he's been doing X for this long and, and or, or she's she's been saying it this way for so long and now they, they want to change it. Um, whereas I can come in and say, well, this is this is actually what, what we need to be doing. Uh, and a lot of times it's exactly what they were saying. But people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You worked on Fortnite. And I'm like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just call me the rugby shirt guy. Yeah. 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 And that's probably something that also benefits from what you were saying earlier, where you have like some multidiscipline experience. And I imagine some of that language gets lost when they don't have yeah. the verbiage to describe what they want in the terms for the developers are speaking to as well. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. And, and it's one of those things where, you know, I always say that, um, you know, the best team is a team that is a little, everybody's a little bit well-rounded and a little bit of everything. Obviously, people are experts at things, but I want everybody on my team to be a game designer and a producer as well as whatever else they are. Um, because I don't, I don't think a game designer should be holding the hand and, and telling a pr programmer every single thing that needs to be done in the design. There should be some creativity in there. And, and a designer shouldn't be, uh, you know, not caring about the schedule. So uh, one of the things that I tend to do uh, with all of my teams that I work with is, is try and figure out ways to level up all of the individuals on the team. So be that spending a little bit of time every week or every month with the creative director or lead designer kind of explaining what the game is in more de detail 
or uh, having the producers kind of teach tools in a more intuitive way. Uh, so things aren't super, you know, their JIRA isn't super complicated, but it's very simple for people to understand so that they want to be in there moving things along and making it, you know, more interactive and fun for them as opposed to, you know, having to walk around every day and be like, did you update your JIRA? Did you update Handsoft? <laughs> Which I've been that guy. That's not a fun experience for anybody. So that's a, that's a big part of, uh, of what I work on with my clients. So you, you swoop in and obviously like you don't stay, you know, you're a temporary yeah person um how do you leave the lessons with with people and how do you kind of give the producers that you work with and the teams you work with the tools uh where they will have less disagreements and they'll be more efficient like how do you just hand that off yeah so so part of it is uh there is like a a, you know a monthly or or every other week follow-up with with the key people that i've i've worked with so be that someone in leadership uh, or, or a producer, kind of a coaching relationship where we're just having these constant conversations. Um, the, you know, a big part of, <laughs> jokingly, a big part of why Clinton and I wrote the book was that we wanted an easier way to leave a client and, and an easy way to leave just the client the is like, yeah, <laughs> in, in a way, right. In a way, like, um, you know, if you, one, if you can't afford one, one or either of us, you know, you can just buy the book, which is much cheaper. Or, or two, you know, we kind of leave and we're like, hey, just a reminder, here are the six or seven practices that we put in place. Let's make sure we're on the guidelines of this. Um, but, you know, just just like any leaving of a job, uh, I write up documentation. Uh, you know, I do like, I wouldn't call it an exit interview, but I do kind of a like, hey, I'm leaving. Here are the things that we accomplished. Here are the things that still need to be done. Uh, here's how you should do those once, once I'm gone. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, you want to leave them wanting a little bit more. That's how you get repeat clients. But you want to fix as many, if not all, their problems in one go. Yeah. You also run um, Game Dev Drink Up. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I'm a multifaceted <laughs> person. Uh, so, so John, Jonathan Hawkins um, in LA, who runs his own studio, he started the Game Dev Drink Up. Oh man, I think it was nine years ago, almost nine years ago. Um, and he asked me to, uh, I kind of took over the, the Dallas chapter after it was, it had one meeting and then, then uh, the guy who was running it left. So he asked me to run it. And then over time, I've just kind of taken on a, a lot of the responsibilities of setting up the events, helping new chapters start and things like that. Um, and which is odd because I don't drink. Um, and a lot of people say to me, like, I don't want to go to the game about drink up. I don't drink. And I was like, I run it and I don't drink. So I don't, <laughs> I don't, it's not a requirement. It's just it's just the name. Um, and very excitedly, the uh, first chapter, which is in L.A., is having its 100th, 100th event in August. So uh, we have been doing it for a long time. I, I forget how many events we've done, but it's close to 600 and, uh, and we've had over 15,000 people attend and we're in four countries right now. So very cool. That's nuts. So, yeah, I mean, and that's like what you're all about. You know, it's, it's a fun thing, but you're, you're like a community yeah. building guy, right? Yeah, that's that, you know, I, if we get into my grand philosophy of what's wrong with the world, it's that we don't, we don't live in community anymore. You know, uh, if you're in your town, I mean, I don't know the person who lives across from me or beneath me in my apartment complex. You know, I don't uh, I, I don't know anybody in my kind of area. We leave the towns we're born in. We don't necessarily go to a religious 
uh, ceremony or, or, or event anywhere. So we don't have a lot of community. So one of the things that I've tried to do my whole career, starting with my involvement in the IGDA uh, in the early 2000s, was help build communities in any way. And so what the Game Dev Drink Up does differently than the IGDA, which we encourage all of our members to go to IGDA meetings, is we're not education and we're not about your career. We're literally just about your community and about uh, helping you network. And what we found, and this is this is just anecdotal, I haven't done a full study on this, but what we found is that if a city has a Game Dev Drink Up, it is like much more likely that developers will stay in that city if they're laid off or there's a closure. Um, than if there isn't, because they have a network of people around them that are not just their their office. Um, so that's kind of been our goal all along is provide community so that people don't need to uproot their lives every time um, you know there's a studio closure or or they get laid off. Yeah. For people who are like adjacent to cities that host a game dev drink up or another kind of game dev gathering event, what do you have for advice for them to get the most out of those meetup opportunities? Yeah. Um, so first off, if, if your city doesn't have a Game Dev Drink Up, you can just uh, reach out to the Game Dev Drink Up on Facebook or Twitter, and we'll talk to you about setting one up. Um, if if you have any other event in your area uh, or you have a Game Dev Drink Up, what I always tell people is is just show up and just be friendly. You know, don't show up with a resume in your hand. Don't show up trying to you know impress people. Just show up and and ask people about themselves. Um, I am a little weird, and this is a weird thing to recommend to people when I realize how weird this is. I have done targeted networking, especially when I was younger and looking to learn about the industry, where I would know that um, you know certain people would go to certain events at GDC or the IGDA meetings, and I would go specifically to try and meet that person. And I think as long as you're not doing that in like a creepy way, like... Yeah, I came here to the way you, you described it uh, doesn't sound creepy at all, Grant. Not not at all. <laughs> hey, you're the two who stalked me online, okay? Um, <laughs> this is true. But but you know, coming to an event and saying like, hey, you know, I, I love your games, and I wanted to ask you the, this piece of advice. Um, you know, I've had people do that with me, and and it's it's less creepy than for some reason I get really creeped out when somebody's like. I follow you on Twitter, and I'm like, oh, why? Why would you do that? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, so, I know uh, that feeling. <laughs> so be very, very purposeful in, in what you go to the events for, which is is to meet people. And what I always tell people is networking is just a fancy word for making friends. Uh, so just go up to people and ask them, hey, what, what game are you playing lately? Or, you know, what are some of your hobbies? Uh, just have conversations with people. Because I feel yeah. like it's really easy to like look at these networking events, and especially if you're younger. I went to a, a school with a game development major, so there were a bunch of people being like, "Oh, you have to go to these conventions, you have to go to these parties, and you have to meet these people." And it was this very like high stress to do, to do, to do, to do. Yeah. And it seems like kind of not doing that is what you're recommending, <laughs> in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> don't mean, stress I think, about it. Yeah. Don't don't stress about it. Don't think that like. Don't think about it as a job interview. Just think about it as a place to meet friends. Obviously, you want to maintain a level of professionalism. If you're going to a networking event, I don't recommend you getting drunk, right? But you can go and, and, and have a couple of drinks, have a good time. <laughs> I know, Chris, we have to talk later. Um, <laughs> you, you can have, have some drinks, you know, have a good time and, and get to know people. And, you know, what's, I, I jokingly say that the real reason I started uh game dev drink up chapters everywhere that I've moved is I'm an inherently lonely person and I just want to make friends. <laughs> so, I, so I start a, a drink up chapter and then 
people come and hang out with me once a month. And I'm like, look at all my friends. <laughs> you know what? Like, I, I meant to bring it up earlier, but I think the first time that you and I met, and it, I think it might have been like the narrative summit meetup when GDC online was yeah. happening in Austin still. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Grant and I were at uh, this place called the ginger man down here. I ended up moving here and uh, yeah. Um, I think that there's a, there's a Facebook picture of us somewhere. I think that yeah. you might actually be carrying me. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Grant, like the first time I met Grant, he like literally swept me off my feet. So uh, that's just the kind of uh, guy he is. So there's the header image for this podcast when we get published somewhere. Yeah, yeah we'll find Dig it. Dig that one up. Yeah. Um, well, we're going to wrap up here. Um, I do want to talk about, I want to talk about Crunch because, uh, hey, we, we want to end on a really happy note. Now, um, yeah, but I, it, I'd like to talk about that just a little bit because, you know, you're a producer and uh, do you think that, do you find that one of your... Um, duties and one of your jobs is to totally help teams eliminate that? Um, I think it's it's about helping teams understand why it exists more than it is to eliminate it. I mean, I think that that is often a goal, which is let's eliminate crunch. Um, but what I can help is not just straight eliminate crunch, but help you understand why crunch has existed. And, um, you know, Keith, Keith Fuller, uh, who also is a consultant and has worked in the industry for a long time, uh, describes crunch in two, two different ways, which I like to, to understand as well, which is there's, there's crunch and then there's overwork. And crunch can be voluntary, right? Like you really want to make this game great, and so you want to work a few extra hours and put that in. And, uh, and I'm, I'm usually fine with that as long as it's limited to two weeks. You know, I don't want I don't want somebody being like, I want to make this game great. And six months later, I realize that they've been not seeing their family a single day during the week for six months. Um, and then there's then there's overwork, which is when a studio stands up and says, hey, we we have to all be here for 12 hours a day, six days a week. Um, and that is that is almost easier to fix than the second one because the second one is just people being passionate and helping them understand what their limits are which is a lot of kind of talking with people and understanding them and especially if they're younger helping them understand their limits but overwork is uh you know the first thing to say is like hey we're not going to do this and then figuring out why you've been doing it um and usually it's uh it's not about deadlines it's about uh, misscoping um you know figuring out where you can't like you know you get to a point where you're like i can't cut anything okay but can we limit things just a little bit can we focus on things differently uh and understanding that uh, as producers it's it's our responsibility to make sure our team doesn't have to crunch or overwork ever so if we get to a point where we are doing that then ultimately we've failed and I know that that can sound a little bit harsh to people who have been in that position and myself included, where ultimately it was the decision of people above us to do that with the team. And we could have delivered the game on time if they had let us cut certain features. Um, but we have to kind of stand up and be like, no, this is the, the human cost of what we're doing. And here's uh, possible solutions and ways to work through that. Um, it's not as easy as, as staffing up. It's about making hard cuts, hard decisions and uh you know understanding your team and what they can actually do 
So from your perspective as a consultant and somebody who's worked in, uh, you know, at, at these major studios and smaller studios and in 2019, is, uh, has crunch gotten better? Um, in my personal life, it's gotten better, but that's because I'm a consultant. Um, I think that the stories that I'm hearing about crunch, um, are a little bit different. Um, and I feel like they are less ubiquitous. It's not, you know, when I, when I was going through my first major crunch in 2000, you know, eight, 2009, uh, it was everybody, everybody was doing it. We were all trying to hit Christmas deadlines or whatever it might be. Um, and I remember talking to all my friends and being like, oh, I was at my work until, you know, 2 a.m. And they were like, oh, I was there till three. And now I feel like people are getting older and having families and responsibilities. So they're willing to kind of push back and be like, hey, you know, I'll work a 12 hour day, but I'm not working Saturday, Sunday uh, and figuring out ways to, to have work life balance. So I think that it's not as common in the industry, but it is still common. Um, and it's something that we have to to keep kind of fighting against and figuring out um, what are the proper solutions and ways to do this. I think the big difference between 2008 and now is there are a lot of studios standing up and saying, we don't crunch or we are now focusing on fixing this problem. Whereas in 2008, it was kind of like, yeah, crunch is bad. And then everybody's like, it's not really bad. We're going to do it anyways. Whereas now it's pe people are coming out and publicly saying, these are the steps that we're taking to change. Um, and I really like a lot of the pressure that um, has kind of been put on gamers to understand what what is what happens in this. And now they're kind of pushing back on their studios and being that of the games that they love and saying, hey, don't sacrifice your people to make sure we have new content every two weeks. Like that's not that's not the worth it to us. Um, so I think it's a, it's it's about educating everybody from the game players themselves uh, to people who are making games and, and their families. Uh, to understand the proper way to have work-life balance. And ultimately, once you can get to that work-life balance, the team is going to be richer and uh, more you know, passionate and understanding about the project than they would be if they're working 75, 80 hours a week. That is a great summation <laughs> <laughs> of like what, what we should do. I, I love it. I also think it's a great place to uh, uh, bring an end to uh, this, uh, this segment but uh, Grant, uh, where can people find you um, online? I mean, Alyssa and I already know everywhere to find you online. <laughs> oh, yeah. If people want to get in contact you about, uh, about your consultancy, where, they can, where can they find you? Yeah, so the, the easiest way is just to Google Shonk Ventures, which is just S-H-O-N-K and then Ventures, like Adventures, but you take off ads. So Shonk Ventures. Uh, if you Google that or G-Shonk, G-S-H-O-N-K, you will find all of my social media websites, emails, and uh, easiest ways to contact me. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks and, for having uh, me. Thank yeah, you. thanks. Wow, that grant, huh? <laughs> <laughs>
We're still trying to get our editing down on this podcast, by the way. So, you can tell uh, by all our casual banter that we've yeah. had throughout the wow, conversation. Wow, that Brant, huh? <laughs> what an insightful <laughs> conversation here at the GDC podcast. Oh my gosh. Yeah, actually, this this we're recording this before we even talk to Grant. Uh, <laughs> no, actually, no, this after. Alyssa, what 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 are your takeaways there? What what yeah, what's what's going I, on in your brain after that? Uh, he mentioned hiking like way at the beginning, and I've had yeah. this just camping itch for just like just going camping, and then contextualizing that with like oh, it's this whole creative refresh and kind of figuring out your like de-stressing and figuring out your place in the world. And like throughout the entire conversation, there were so many great things mentioned, but I just really want to go hiking. <laughs> yeah, like um like hardcore hiking, like Appalachian Trail hiking, or go to the park I, I got family in south dakota so i'm just gonna fly out oh, to the black yeah. hills and go oh. up to harney peak and yeah it's oh, great my gosh. It's harney peak harney peak tell me about harney peak <laughs> it's the high mountain with the view yeah okay oh yes <laughs> no, yeah no i think it's this uh old fort is built out. it used to be like a fire watching fort but now it's just some old cool castle that you have to walk for three hours up a hill to get and it's yeah, really refreshing. So I can relate to that point of the conversation. Yeah. So after talking to Grant, basically, you're going to take a six month sabbatical from Gama Sutra. Yeah. Editing. I'm just going to go uh, straight AWOL in uh, Slack yeah. and you, I'll be on a mountain somewhere. All right. I guess we'll have to discuss that later. <laughs> yeah, but it's so good. It's so good to catch up with somebody like that. That guy, <clears throat> that guy, um, he's uh, he seems very in, in touch with uh, how people operate. Yeah, it's interesting to get the perspective of someone who has been in game development, isn't like in the in the thick of it now, but is still in the industry in a way doing, especially the consulting stuff, you have a unique perspective on that. So to kind of like capture that and dig into it a little bit was a super interesting conversation. Yeah, and that's got to be difficult too. Just yeah. going into, uh, I don't know, basically if someone calls 911, you're like... <laughs> Everything's on fire and you're like, yeah, no, I got person this. Yeah, like, we need somebody... It's like it's lightly heroic in a way, like Kate billowing in the wind as you swoop in to fix all of their production yeah, problems. His rugby shirt just <laughs> <laughs> billowing, <laughs> billowing in the wind. Yeah. Well, I know. I want to just point out that, like, uh, usually when you talk about crunch, it gets like this this somber mood kind of sweeps over whenever crunch comes up. But that was a really good summary of uh, issues that lead to it and productively how developers can kind of work through it and work past it and understand it. And I think that was a just really good yeah. context to have too. Yeah, it is. Uh, because it is something easy, like you get rightfully um, fired up about it. And mm -hmm. then talking to someone who has to solve those issues on a practical level. And then um, just, I, I don't know, like... Uh, who's been there in all the different yeah. situations, different studios, their own projects, projects they've consulted on. So it's... Yeah, really useful information. I'm glad to be a part of that. Yeah, me too, Alyssa. <laughs> so, okay, well, this is where we tell you to um, subscribe. Smash the subscribe button, or is that is more it of lightly a... lightly tap? Is it, uh, do people click anymore? You can tap it, I mash think, yeah. it. You can mash the subscribe button if you're Within on a touchscreen device yeah. on your phone. And we uh, promise to bring more fascinating guests. Um, right now, we're trying once a month. Um, you know, we don't want to, you know, burn ourselves out here. Uh, and, you know, I'm kind of lazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but we may ramp up from that depending on how things are going. Um, so thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, again, I'm Chris Graft. I'm Alyssa McAloo. And uh, mash that subscribe button with your thumb. <laughs> and if you love us, rate and review. See you next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye. <laughs>